Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for home theater geeks is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is Home Theater Geeks with Scott Wilkinson, recorded March 6th, 2011. Episode 56, Pioneering Apple. Hey there, Scott Wilkinson here with UltimateAVMag.com and HomeTheater.com. This week's guest geek is David Bales, Manager of Product Planning at Pioneer for their audio products. Hey David, welcome to the show. Hey Scott, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm certainly glad you're here. Those who are tuned into the... Uh, live video stream at live.twit.tv or logged into the chat room at irc.twit.tv can post questions for David and I'll pass on as many as I can. Now, today is quite special, actually, because David is up in San Francisco uh, at a Pioneer press event announcing the latest generation of Pioneer AV receivers and how well integrated they are with Apple products. Why don't you give us the overview, David? Sure. Thanks, Scott. Um, yes, we're here in San Francisco. Um, it, it, uh, uh, in Apple's backyard, so to speak. Um, and you're right. Um, over the last six, seven years, we at Pioneer on the audio side have, have really tried to make uh, extra efforts to be compatible with this new portable phenomenon uh, known as, you know, the Apple iPod, the, uh, the iPhone, and, and now the iPad. Um, this year's uh, 2011 Pioneer line of AV receivers um, takes it to the another, a next level, really. And um, while we're iPod, we're iPhone, and now iPad compatible with this line of receivers, um, we've also uh, incorporated some network functionality uh, that allows the Apple consumer to really go to another level of, um, of um, getting to their iTunes library and sharing it to their home theater system through a Pioneer receiver. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember I have uh, a Pioneer receiver, actually, with one of the very first ones with an iPod. It's not really – it could be a dock, but it's really just a cable. Um, and uh, and that's very convenient. But one of the things that isn't so convenient about it, and, and I'm sure you've addressed this by now, is, this is several years old now, is that you can't – you have to control the iPod from the receiver. The iPod's – uh, display is completely disabled. Uh, I, I hope you've uh, fixed that by now. <laughs> that's interesting. You bring that up. That's great. Um, we have, and um, as Apple enthusiasts ourselves, we really realize that it's very difficult to pry that iPhone, iPad nowadays out of our hands. Um, so once connected with um, a Pioneer receiver, which by the way, we don't require a dock. Um, we put the cable in the box. Uh, you're ready to go from the minute you bring that that uh, Pioneer receiver home uh, mm-hmm. for audio and video from your from your iPhone, iPod, i uh, uh, iPad. Um, but to your point, we do. Um, we put a button right on the front of the receiver that allows you to say, "Hey, give control back to the iPad, iPhone. Uh, let me pick my songs or playlist um, right from the uh, Apple device." Then set it down and 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 uh, go on with your listening. So uh, that's great. Um, we we caught the I, same I'm problem. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can, can you hang on, hang on one second, please? Sure. Scott Wilkinson. Sorry. Uh, edit 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 here, please. Um, 
my mom's in the hospital and that was the hospital number calling. So that's why I interrupted the show. I really apologize for that. But I didn't hear anything from them. So uh, we're going to we're going to splice in here. Thank you very much. That's totally um, fine, Scott. OK, so um, uh, I'm sorry. Start start a little bit back where you from where you were. Well, we were talking about, you had mentioned that um, when connected to the receiver, um, that we lose control of, of the uh, Apple device and, and you're forced kind of into the on-screen display uh, and the remote control that comes with the receiver. Uh, and, and it's funny you mention it because we, um, we really noticed that ourselves. Um, as Apple enthusiasts, it's, it's hard to even pry the device out of our hands sometimes. You're just constantly <laughs> wanting to play with it and uh, change songs. Um, so we fix that. There's a button on the front of the receiver. Um, as soon as you're connected, you can you can control it with our remote uh, on screen, uh, or you can take control back to the uh, Apple device and pick your songs, track, skip, um, do everything you need to do right from the device. So that that's been solved. Great. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, now, what about um, you? You mentioned earlier integrating with iTunes and and sharing your content. Uh, what have you got going on in that regard? Right. Well, um, as you said, we're here in in San Francisco. We're at a really nice hotel, the W, up here in uh, in uh, right downtown. Um, we've got our um, uh, our favorite press folks are up here running through on uh, demonstrations and presentation right now for four new receivers. Um, all of them, at some form or another, completely uh, uh, compatible with i. Uh, Apple devices in one form or another. Um, really beginning with uh, an entry-level receiver, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, Bluetooth ready. Um, so with an, uh, an accessory device, you can go wireless with your, um, with your Apple device right into your home theater system. Um, you step up from there and we include a cable in the box uh, for audio and video control uh, and, and uh, um, playback. From your Apple device, and then as you move up to the top piece, um, uh, we have Ethernet capability that's going to allow you to uh, network, share your iTunes library to your home theater system. Um, this is called AirPlay, and AirPlay is embedded technology in the AV receiver. Um, so this is extremely exciting because while we've we've had certain levels of Apple compatibility in the home theater through our receivers, um, we're really at an, another level now where uh, you're completely wireless. And, and as a product planner, I look at it three ways, uh, connection, content, and control. Uh, you can get one and you, you don't have the other two. In this case, we really have taken care of all three in that uh, you're wirelessly connected through your home network. You've got all the con all the music content uh, on your iTunes device ready to go through your home theater receiver, and you've got control of all that from your Apple device if you wish, as we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so we really feel like this is a this is a uh, you know real transition time um, with network capabilities, um, the the huge explosion in in. Uh, iTunes uh, out there where it, it's it's really the number one music source for many people, if not most these days, uh, at least in some form or another. Uh, and then to give them that kind of access and compatibility through a Pioneer receiver is, is very exciting. Yeah, it really sounds uh, it really sounds great. I can't wait to uh, to try these things out. Are you uh, looking? Are you watching the chat by any chance? 
I, I cannot see okay. the chat. Well, I can, I can read it back to you. Uh, one of the okay. questions is, uh, Pioneer showed off a new media server project at uh, Cedia 2009 called ETAP. Uh, what happened right. to that? Um, wow, ETAP. Um, it just didn't quite make it... Um, make the wave, so to speak. Um, it, it really had the correct um, uh, approach in that audio and video and all of your media in one place, um, uh, connectivity uh, to the home theater, uh, and, and at, we felt like very good uh, graphic user interface and control. Um, I think a little bit in, in the price point um, and, and Technologies that we're talking about here today where we're seeing AirPlay, uh, DLNA 1.5 um, technology trickling down to some very aggressive price points. And then in the TV market as well where um, we're seeing network product um, um, with your Pandoras and your Rhapsodies and all of your other um, uh, media sources are, are becoming very standard. Um, what, we, what we think now really is that the AV receiver is very well equipped to be that source of of entertainment. It, it's always been where you connect your devices, and now just because they're coming off the internet or being streamed through your home um, or shared from a, a, a NAS device or what have you, um, uh, the AV receiver might be the, the appropriate hub for that. The idea behind that technology is still very much in our product planning minds, um, and and I think it dovetails quite well into what we're doing here with um, our AV receivers, um, uh, an AirPlay technology that I discussed, as well as um, you know DLNA and file sharing, all mm -hmm. the services out there. Um, um, so we directed our attentions a little bit more towards the AV receiver, embedded what we learned with that digital library into um, into um, the AV receiver category. Uh, it doesn't mean that we won't or aren't uh, looking at a separate um, uh, media device uh, of some sort, um, but we're going to have to stay on top of the curve here and, and make sure it's got everything it needs for uh, that next generation of um, uh, new media. Right. In, in, now, uh, Reverb Mike uh, followed up on on that with a question: uh, Is there any storage in these receivers, at, like for MP3 files, or do they go out? They don't have any local storage, but they go out and get something on a NAS or another computer connected to the uh, network. Right. Um, no local storage yet. Um, never say never. We'll we'll see about <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, th there's so many ways now to get that content into the AV receiver through, via USB. Um, like I said, every model in our lineup now is air is um, um, Bluetooth compatible. Um, so if it's on that smartphone or, or, or on that that pad, um, we're ready to go to share that content. Mm -hmm. um, I think really what we noticed over the last couple of years, and as we continued to try and stay on top of of bringing the Apple experience and lifestyle into our world uh, is that um, we're covering a lot of, if not most of the bases um, by just allowing easy connection, easy content, and easy control of the system through the Apple device. Mm -hmm. um, so for storage in the receiver, obviously that's, that's a, a, would be quite a, um, uh, a, what would we call a chassis change. Uh, we'd have to completely redesign the car, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, to so a hard disk that. could fit in there. 
Right. And it's not to say we can't do it, we couldn't do it, or that we haven't even prototyped that type of thing. Uh, but to bring it to market, not quite ready for prime time. Sure, of course. Um, uh, did you just, I've forgotten if you've mentioned the price points of these uh, new receivers. I did not, and I'm, I'm remiss. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we are starting at a, um, with a VSX521, and all of these models I'm about to mention are on our website, ready to go. You can take a look at. We've got um, videos uh, explaining what we're doing, um, um, all the collateral material ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. But a VSX521 starting at 249, um, fully Bluetooth compatible, um, all of your... Um, you know, Dolby and DTS high definition surround modes. Uh, we've included the microphone to room calibrate uh, in that model. Uh, the step from there is a VSX 821 uh, at um, 349, um, adds USB input, uh, cable included for your iPhone, um, and now iPad compatible, which was um, a little bit tough because that is to charge that iPad. Um, there it goes. Um, is to charge, uh, and that required a whole new USB device. Um, mm. So we did that, took care of that. So at 349, you're ready to plug your iPad into your AV receiver, get complete audio and video. Um, the step from there is 449, and we go to 7.1 channel, uh, VSX 921. So the what, previous two are 5.1, correct? Correct, sorry. Um, and then video scaling and conversion to HDMI. With the VSX nine twenty one, okay, and that's um, four four hundred fifty bucks, four fifty four forty nine, mm-hmm. and then uh, top of the Pioneer line is a VSX ten twenty one at five hundred forty nine dollars, uh, and here's where things really get interesting. Um, uh, this is an exciting receiver at this price point. The feature set is just incredible uh, with the Ethernet port. Uh, AirPlay technology, as I discussed, sharing that iTunes library through your AV receiver, um, uh, DLNA 1.5, uh, so uh, sharing of other formats um, mm-hmm. through the receiver, through your home network, uh, streaming capability, um, uh, and then a couple other really cool little things we've added um, I'll start with one that is our new iControl AV2 application um, all free on um, in the app store you can go to them right now they're ready to download um, and, and there's demo mode so you don't need our product yet to be able to check them out mm. <clears throat> but That's one cool. of them being i control av2 as a replacement of last year's i control um, is ready for the ipad uh, and it's super cool. It's completely redesigned. It's going to control every aspect of the AV receiver uh, or one of our uh, network-capable Blu-ray players um, and with just all kinds of fun features to, um, uh, to control your sound, to control your inputs, uh, to manage your airplay, uh, to manage your DLNA or uh, is VTuner built in for um, Internet radio, uh, control your radio stations <clears throat> right from your iPad. So in other words, the iPad or iPhone uh, or uh, iPod Touch, I guess, becomes a remote control for the receiver and for the entire system, right? Well, it's it's going to control our our receiver and our Blu-ray player, um, network control of other devices, other manufacturers. Not not yet. Um, mm. You never say never there, uh, mm-hmm. but to control your AV receiver, absolutely. Got a so bunch of questions we, in the chat room here. Um, 
for example, uh, Virgil asks, do the Pioneer AVRs, can the, can the firmware be updated over an Ethernet connection? And I guess that would only apply to the 1021 since that's the only one with an Ethernet connection, right? Right, right. And yes, um, um, firmware can be upgraded um, through the Ethernet um, as well as through our USB port at that price, uh, at that model level. Mm-hmm. And do the other ones, so the lower models have USB? I've forgotten. Yes. Now, the uh, 821 and 921, 349 and 449 price points have USB input, uh, front panel input. So, so you, yes. could, you could up, uh, upgrade the firmware that way with a USB memory stick or maybe software from a computer connected via USB. It is possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. What about the multi-room capabilities of these receivers? Multi-room for this lineup starts with the 1021. Um, it's a two-zone receiver, <clears throat> um, ready for audio and video, composite video, um, an RCA2 channel. You can control those second zones from our app, our iControl AV2 app, um, which is dedicated, one dedicated for the iPhone, another dedicated for the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, you can, you can, um, Go to a second zone uh, at that price point. Um, so only the, the only the ten twenty one at at five forty nine, right? Right, right. Uh, is that second zone HDMI or uh, in terms of video or only component or S video or how does that work? No, it, it's a composite video out for second zone. Um, ah. You have to go HDMI for zone two is um, uh, a bit of a challenge actually because of uh, copy protection. The rest. Um, that's a completely separate video processor you're going to have to put in there to, to separate the two sources. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's something we are working on, but it's, it's not as easily said, uh, done <laughs> as said. So getting high-definition content to the second zone is pretty standard for us uh, at our mid-level elite. Uh, and as far as what we're going to do next year, um, let's talk again in June. <laughs> yes, because do, you, do, you do have the elite line coming out in May or June, and Certainly, I'll be interested to uh, find out about that as well when the time comes. Right, right. Well, you know, you, you, you can see, you know, with what the technology that you're finding in the 1021 obviously will find its way into Elite uh, and then some. So, um, sure. you know, I, I mentioned to talk more about what we're up to, but um, I'll, I got to tell you what, what's going on with this um, with this lineup we're launching here. Uh, again, I, if, for the vast majority of consumers out there, when you look at, at, at the price points that people spend for an AV receiver, to get this amount of technology is, is really extraordinary. Um, and, and with all the buzz going on about the iPad especially, uh, mm-hmm. to have full AV capability um, right out of the box at a, a 349 price point is actually pretty extraordinary. So, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, that 349 price point and these lower price points that we're really talking about here, uh, you, you, Pioneer, I mean, and dealers are, are all operating, I think, on pretty thin margins, aren't they? Um, well, yeah, it's, it, it is not a whole lot new, though, in the AV receiver business. Um, um, margins start out where they start out at launch we we hold up um you get Mm -hmm. into the selling season and um uh you know things happen from a promotional standpoint at the retail level and then we typically have a closeout time um the thing about our business that i think is healthy in that in that way is that um we almost every year have something new and cool out the next year um, that 
that it, it's a trick for us to transition smoothly so that inventories both in our barn as well as at the retail level uh, transition and we bring the new product in. And, and we typically do a pretty good job of that so that, um, you know, closeout time, you know, uh, you get the latest, greatest receiver from last year to, at an aggressive price. Um, the margins mm-hmm. are thin for everyone. Um, but we're really more than happy to do it in that, you know, we're ready to launch and sell the new stuff. Sure. Um, so the business model for the AV receiver category is is actually quite healthy. Um, I know everyone's thinking of the, how the recession, ha- you know, hit this category. Um, but it, it, I don't, I don't understand it in a way we, we played a bit defensively here, um, but the category is up significantly wow. over the last couple of years, um, and and ours is up double what the industry is. Wow! So <laughs> yeah, so we're you know we know a couple things. We know 3D compatibility and HDMI 1.4a, um, um, and then we can't put our finger on it other than this Apple compatibility that we've been uh, working towards over the last six, seven years. It's gotten to the point where it's, it's just something that once consumers realize we have it uh, and we have it better than the other guy, which is our job, um, <laughs> it's working out for us. And we're selling a lot of receivers. We're, we're quite pleased with the business. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's why we're up here in San Francisco. We're real pleased with um, Apple's uh, AirPlay technology and being able to embed it in the product uh, and get that iTunes released from your headphones and released from your, uh, you know, from your computer and share that seamlessly in your home theater system. It's, it's, it's a big one. Sure. What about sharing photos? Uh, can you do that like from iPhoto as well? Um, for the AV receiver embedded AirPlay, it's music only. Mm-hmm. Um, from our connection, USB video connection, yes, you can share, uh, you know, set up a photo slideshow um, uh, with music. And that's, that's pretty standard. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Been doing that for a little while. Right. Exactly. Um, got a couple questions about the uh, audio outputs of these new amps. Um, uh, the 1021 has multi-room, so I assume that it's got a little multi-room audio as well. Or is that amplified or is that only line level? Uh, it's line level. Yeah. So you need an amp at the, in the remote room. Correct. If you wanted to go the line level. Now, um, with the 7.1 receiver, we can assign amplification to the second zone and control volume. Uh, and amplify it and control volume from the main uh, system if you go speaker level out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm thinking the question is pre-out discussion. Uh, and yes, we, we you would you know, set it up with a set of powered speakers uh, or an outboard amplifier, basic custom mm-hmm. kind of job. Right. Another question is, uh, do these low-end receivers... And low end, I I don't use derogatorily. <laughs> I hope you understand. <laughs> value added. How's that? Uh, value added. Yes, inexpensive uh, uh, receivers use quote chip amps or discrete transistor outputs. And this oh, gets goodness. to a this gets to a question that I was going to ask you about class D versus class oh, okay. AB. So why don't you answer that question first, and then we'll, that'll serve as a launching pad for us. Okay, well, first, let's fix the chip thing. Um, the chip amp, no. Uh, we're AB, uh, class, uh, class AB transistor switching, amp, you know, amplifiers. Um, 
Uh, we call them direct energy. They're pioneer through and through. We've had this design for a long, long time. Um, it's a miniaturization kind of a direction in that uh, short signal path. That's the theme of our engineers for amplifier design in the AB, uh, thus the name direct energy. Um, we build them in, in essentially we had built them in three different chassis, um, uh, value added. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we have a mid-level chassis, and then we have our upper-end chassis. Um, what we're launching now in the Pioneer brand are, um, you know, regardless of the numbers you may see out there, and, and we'll post all the different kind of amplifier specifications just to uh, um, largely in response to what retailers want um, to see. Uh, but 20 to 20 hertz FTC ratings are about 80 watts by 5, 80 by 7. Uh, the 1021, we got a little more juice out of that guy this year, and it's a 90 water. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the numbers that you would typically see at retail are going to be the FTC number with a 1K, uh, and you'll get up to 110, 120 watt by 5 or 7. Now, that's uh, that's at a single frequency of 1 kilohertz, and you're talking about right. a, a, the range from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, right? Right, and that's really the way to look at an amplifier's performance is how it would, would perform in uh, full bandwidth frequency response 20 to 20. So you'll see that spec on our website always. You'll see it in our owner's manual. Um, but a 1K spec is not a bad one to understand what um, the amp could do you know, at a 1K, um, give it some volume, um, you know, it's going to move some air. That's that's not a small amplifier when you think about what amps, you know, had, had been able to do in the past when 50 watts was big. Mm, yeah. So well, it, it's amazing. Certainly, sorry, I was going to say, uh, yeah. certainly, um, you know, tube amps are, if, if, a, if a tube <laughs> amp is 50 watts, that that's huge. Yeah, but another sure. thing about, another related issue there is that, these days with speakers having a sensitivity in the 85 to 90 dB per watt range, right. I mean, if you feed that right. speaker one watt, it's going to output 85 or 90 dB, which is too loud for me, that's for sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, you know, the, the, having a bunch of watts, uh, to me, doesn't – well – there is a reason to have a high wattage output. And you and I were talking about this before the show. Why don't you reiterate what you said to me then? Um, yeah. Power, and again, thinking in terms of 20 to 20, uh, an 80-watt amplifier, um, a typical um, you know, home theater setup of speakers, they're probably rated... <laughs> You're in a hotel room and your phone this, this, just rang. It's Crestron. <laughs> Oh, it's Crestron. Yeah, that, well, yeah. I hope you can I'll call, call him back. back. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, you know, this good, just good old audio. Um, you know, it, it's not about volume. It's not about, you know, 80 watts and how loud will that get. Although, you know, we want to make sure it can get uh, loud enough. And, and, um, um, but, but it's the quality of the sound. I, I like to think of it in terms of, of just harnessing electricity to recreate sound. That, that's the trick. And there's always, uh, you know, a potential for a weak link uh, in the amplifier section, the preamp section, the speaker wires, the, uh, no telling where that problem could be. Uh, but the first place you want to make sure the electricity is under control, uh, it's nice and clean, it's, it's, it's amplifying that waveform correctly. Um, you know, the, the higher the wattage, really the better. Um, in the case of, um, uh, for our mid-level chassis, for example, um, uh, 
Uh, we're not really talking about that here at this show. These are these are our value adds. But as we go up into the higher wattage range uh, for Pioneer, we go to 110, 20 to 20, and that's a significant boost uh, in power and potential fidelity uh, as you go up in volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the analogies I think we were talking about was, you know, it's like a car. Um, um, you know, there's there's smaller chassis out there. There's smaller engines out there. There's, you know, uh, four-cylinder six and eights. And they'll all go 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour. Sure. Um, but, but as, you know, you get into the bigger car, you get into the bigger motors, um, you get a smoothness. You get a, um, a less work to create a, uh, the same amount of energy. And that's what it's about. So right. for most people or many people, um, you know, an 80-watt Pioneer receiver, as, as we're launching here, is going to be fine, more than enough. Uh, and then there's another level of performance that as you go up, we, we really, you know, every year we have to decide whether it's kind of, and I hate to, I'm not taking away any of the value of, um, of something other than build quality, uh, but in the business, we all call it, you know, the bells and whistles. Uh, is it a bell and whistles year or is it a, a mechanical year? And um, what's really fun about this year is I think we got a little bit of both. We got a lot of new, cool technology uh, as well as um, uh, improved amplification and sound quality from a mechanical standpoint. And mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. We like to see that that, you know, every year. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. <laughs> I always yeah. like to think of amplifier power as um, uh, you, if you use a little bit, you have a lot, you have 100 watts, say, but you're only sure. using the first 10. The amplifier, as you said, isn't working very hard. It's operating in what we call its linear range. And so there's right. the distortion is going to be lower. Um, the waveform is going to be more accurately uh, represented. Uh, and so I agree with you that uh, having more power is generally a good thing, uh, even yeah. if you never use it. Right, right. Um, yeah. You know, most people listen at fairly moderate levels, but, um, you know, I, we all do it. You you're, have friends over, you're at a party, and, and you want to turn it up. You just want right. to show off sometimes. And, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's one of the things we really want to make sure at Pioneer. And, and that's, that's just been part of our DNA forever is um, turn, you know, turn it up and make sure it sounds good. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a certain volume level where the room and the, and the system come together. Um, you know, and this goes into room calibration and the MCACC uh, uh uh, DSP technologies that we're using these days to um, to tame the sound to fit the room, uh, right? But beyond that, just just volume, good quality audio, uh, whether it's two channel or multi channel, it's it's um, it's all about how can that thing perform when you really get it going and um, you know you're playing it nice and loud. So now uh, this uh, the, your your reference to MA, MCACC is a chat room question that I want to get to in just a moment. But first, two other questions that occurred to me, and also in the chat room, uh, are all the channel all the amplification channels in these new value added receivers the same <laughs> wattage, or are the surrounds do they get less? Um, we're the first guys to do equal power, all five, all seven channels. And, and that's that's the same now. Um, you, you, 
uh, it's a must. If, if you're in a full-blown 5.1, 7.1 surround system with DTS HD master audio coming from that new Blu-ray disc, you don't know what you're going to get in what channel, and they all have to be prepared to handle anything. So equal power uh, and linear power across those five or seven channels is, is critical, which Excellent. really leads into that Class D discussion you were uh, going to ask about. Um, yes, go right ahead. I go. Uh, very excited by that technology. Once again, uh, kind of moving me into May, uh, June uh, uh, 2011 Elite. Um, but aside from what we've been doing with our Class D amplifiers on our high end, um, that, that's, a, that's a key question because um, equal power at 130, 40, 50 watts uh, that these guys can handle, um, when you all channel, what we call all channels driven, which is a spec a lot of guys like to look at in in the trades more than really in the uh, anywhere else, but it, it's popping up more and more. How can this receiver handle um, you know all five or seven channels when they're all being driven full blast? And that's one of the big benefits of the Class D design for um, for our receivers. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they're more linear uh, at at uh, all channels driven, um, and and. That is, again, just one of the biggest benefits of the Class D amp design that we'll be talking about in this summer. Right, which, which are not in these uh, value-added no. amps. Not yet. They're, not not yet. yet. Okay. Um, uh, so are your specs at all channels driven as well as 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz? We'll start posting those more and more as we get... Uh, closer. It's an area of discussion we like to talk about on the high end. Again, on the in that uh, where our class D amplifiers reside. Um, all channels driven with our AB amplifiers is is it's key to keep them linear. So um, the numbers drop significantly when when you do drive all channels. Mm -hmm. um, so the consumer gets confused. They don't know really what what we're looking at. Um, it scares retailers a little bit that consumers aren't going to be excited about, you know, 30, 40, 50 watts, all channels driven uh, in an AB amp design. Um, so I don't think any of the manufacturers, including us, have really gone down that road. It's not as real world as most uh, as people might think. Uh, you're really never going to be driving 100 watts uh, into all five channels, um, although you might. Um, mm -hmm. And, well, we do uh, that in uh, our uh, testing at home theater on on receiver reviews. We we do test all channels driven That's as right. well as do. as well as two channels, and we find some in some cases that amp power drops significantly, like majorly, Absolutely and not. in other cases not, which is kind of surprising yeah. that it's it's not able to be more uniform across different manufacturers. <clears throat> right. Well, we have to design these amplifiers to do, uh, you know. Uh, you almost have to protect the two channels to a certain extent. Stereo is the FTC rule. Um, that's what we measure, the left and right. Um, the capability of the center and surrounds to to go up to that power level of the left, front, left, and right uh, is the trick. And mm -hmm. uh, different manufacturers approach this differently. For us, we want uh, in all-channel-driven mode, uh, regardless of what the number may turn out to be, uh, for them to hold up and maintain linearity. That's that's key for us. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not afraid of, okay, you know, we drove the Pioneer multi-channel wide open, uh, and, it, and it delivered, you know, these numbers. Um, 
when you compare that to the other guys, I think what you'll find is that um, their two channels will, will hold up, but their, their effect channels will fall apart. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I'm not naming everybody. I'm just saying that is somebody. And, and everybody's got different chassis and different levels, and it varies on, on where they're going to put the emphasis. As um, we've seen in our reviews, absolutely. Right, you have. And you guys are a key part of what, uh, you know, we realize that you're interested in these specs. Um, your readers are interested. Um, we've always been interested in it and understood it. It's just um, it, it hasn't equated out to the real world and in, 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 uh, in something the consumer has really picked up on. It. And, and, and again, at this level of, of product, uh, it, it's a little bit beyond what most consumers are going to be interested in at the high end level where our class D's now reside. Um, it, it's a key, it's a key story, I think. So we'll sure. spend more time on that next year. Yeah. Well, a few months from now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now you mentioned the FTC rules and uh, uh, F loop in the chat room uh, writes that he still doesn't understand the new FTC rules for power specs on home theater amps and receivers. Can you help him out? Sure. Um, there are no new rules. Uh, The 1974 uh, amplifier rule is pretty much in place. Um, At that time, nobody knew what home theater multi-channel sound was. So um, the the rule really boiled down to its basics is uh, a manufacturer will say how many watts those two channels are, uh, give it a number at what impedance and what is the THD for that condition total harmonic distortion Uh, total harmonic distortion so we're required to to divulge those three things Mm -hmm. um we can say 2020 we can say one kilohertz we can say six ohm just as long as when we put them all together um you you get a picture of what the amplifier can do Mm -hmm. we always do 2020 um it's only been in the last decade or so that one kilohertz has picked up um but but it's been a spec that's been around forever Mm -hmm. um and then um, the only other real amendment to the rule has been more on the retailer side uh, with what they have to divulge. And they really don't have to post anything about THD um, or ohm load. They can rate mm. the power. They, they can post the power because it really is up to us, the manufacturer, uh, to give that, uh, that number, 80 watt, 90 watt, 110 watt, whatever it, it may be. Sure. Uh, so as long as we stay within the conditions uh, and give our retailers all that information. It's up to them to um, pass it on to the consumer if they wish. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, they, they can just give them the, the, the wattage number. Well, that seems kind of bogus if you ask me. <laughs> well, well, I, I the, you know, the, the consumer can be assured that we're staying within the guidelines of the FTC rule when uh, you're talking about a lot of retailers now like to say total system power. So they'll add it all up. And tr- oh. you know, it's so 100 watts per watts. channel times five is 600, 500 yeah. watts. Right, right. So that's a very common way of describing, you know, what what uh, what the capability of that AV receiver may be, and and mm-hmm. that's pretty accurate. It's fine. Um, I sure. think the consumer gets a pretty good understanding of this one's got more power than that one. Um, every yeah, now and but then I'd sure rather than I'd sure up. rather them understand that that if if they don't have equal power, for example. Uh, as I know Pioneer does uh, advocate, and rightly so, in my opinion, um, yeah. you know, they, they, can't, they can't know that just from a single sum no, of true. all the power coming out of all the channels. Yeah, and, and, and really the, the reality of it is it's equal power potential per channel. Mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the left and right stereo channels are going to take, you know, uh, well, depending on what you're listening to and what mode you're in, um, yeah, you know, 80%, 90%, then you go into five channel stereo and, um, you know, the whole system's really kicking. So, yeah, yeah. you know, are, are uh, any of these, uh, receivers THX certified? No, no, not in the pioneer line. Um, we move into elite for THX certification, both select two plus as well as ultra two plus as you go mm-hmm. up our line. Right. <clears throat> now you mentioned MCACC, which I wanted to make sure we get to, uh, SoCal Ray, uh, asks if there have been any improvements to this, uh, <laughs> algorithm over previous versions. And we, first of all, I want you to tell me what MCACC stands for. Cause I can't remember. It's, uh, it's the, it's pioneers proprietary automatic room correction algorithm, right? It takes, it plays a bunch of test tones or test noises in each of the speakers has a microphone sitting out there and it then automatically compensates for standing waves and reflections in the room and optimizes the sound of the receiver for that room. What does MCACC stand for? Well, you hit it. That That's the idea. Um, first of all, I have to put my marketing hat on and, and say that Pioneer was the first manufacturer to put that microphone in the AV receiver box. Mm-hmm. Um, MCACC originally, I, I, I think I was there. Um, <laughs> it's multi-channel acoustic, the C at the end of acoustic calibration. Ah, okay. Multi-channel acoustic calibration. Um, the philosophy behind our um, in-house MCACC calibration system is very simple. It is one sweet spot. Uh, we think it's, you know, right here. Uh, <laughs> right there's, right there's between really, the eyes. Right between the eyes. It's all about stereo imaging. It's all about um, level, uh, sound levels, um, distance, time alignment, uh, and just uh, really classic acoustic science. Um, we do not believe in a multiple in a wide sweet spot. Um, we we're not a. Um, I'll use the terms I hear out there with other systems as fuzzy logic. Um, this is very uh, straightforward. Uh, we measure for uh, distance, time, level, um, and then lately, uh, over the last four or five years, we've been working on phase. Phase is a problem because. As we moved out of the two-channel world into that point one world of the subwoofer, um, everything got out of phase. There's there's filters going on in the receiver. There's filters in the speakers between the crossovers, uh, and then there's filters going off into the subwoofer. Um, and so sound is just really out of phase in that home theater environment. Uh, so we addressed that a few years ago. We have a couple levels of phase management uh, in our system. Um, we really are the only out-of-the-box system that... Um, that really addresses time alignment uh, and what we call 3D calibration so mm-hmm. that, um, um, boy, um, the various frequencies as we're working our way through um, the calibration are are all measured in time. So mm-hmm. um, reflections are going to happen in different places uh, depending on the room and the speaker layout. Uh, so our system allows you to to... Well, it'll automatically adjust for it, but if if you've seen our calibration readout that you can now get on your iPad, um, you can look and see by frequency or channel where the problems are in the room. Hmm. Then you can see in time, in milliseconds, where the problems arise. 
So run the caliber, but adjust the EQ setting to where the anime, and that's the trick. Mm-hmm. So we always run our caliber, run it just to see, and, and really we're not looking at the response. Once we see the room, we adjust the calibration, largely the time. Sorry, I'm lagging a little on you. Yeah, um, sorry, I'm afraid I'm afraid the uh, bandwidth in your hotel room might be might be choking a little bit there. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, calm down here and let it catch up. But that's the gist of it, really. Um, yeah, working on phase, getting things going in time. Um, one sweet spot. Um, if you want to open the sweet spot up to a wider group, there's a bazillion T, uh, DSP modes that we put in these products. Uh, turn one on and, and, you know, do the sports arena or do what have you. Uh, we understand people don't want to do that as much as they used to. Uh, no, the I sure is not, Yeah, the emphasis is not there anymore. Um, we understand there's, there's you know, five-channel stereo is is a very popular surround format for music. Um, for us, it's that encoded Dolby DTS high-definition surround format for Blu-ray that we want the most accuracy. Um, we want to hit everything just right, hit that sweet spot in a multi-channel uh, sound field for mm-hmm. a wide variety of room environments, for a wide variety of speaker arrays. Um, I mean, we're having to compensate now for, uh, and I might be the only guy in the office who likes this height channel, I like the high channel. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's a, it, and for me, it's a very cool thing in the video game world, not to change the subject too much. But no, we no, got to calibrate for that, you know, and make sure that, that if you're going to do the height channel, that, that we know how far away from, uh, you know, the, from you the speakers are. Um, or you're going to be in a surround back configuration or you want to be in a front wide you know the the options in the multi-channel world, AV receiver world, are are getting uh, bigger and bigger, and and I think better and better. Um, there, there's so many new formats out there. There's so many different ways that you might want to set up your system um, that we give you all kinds of options. You can do front height or front wide, and or back or B speaker, or use your sep- your seven channel uh, surround back amps to drive the second zone. Um, mm-hmm. And as we move forward, we're going to give more and more options in that area. Um, uh, uh, do the, any of these new uh, receivers uh, do Dolby ProLogic 2Z, which gives you the height channels if you want? I, I should have given them their due. The height channel is Dolby ProLogic 2Z. All of them are um, uh, allowed that, whether in uh, the seven-channel receivers have it built in. Um, the 5.1-channel receivers um, have the decoders built in, and you can pre-out to an outboard amp to drive the height channel mm-hmm. um, or power speakers to do it that way. Do you have also Odyssey DSX, which gives you the choice of wide, width, extra wide speakers and or extra height speakers? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah, not? Odyssey, no, you know, um, I, I'm going to play nice. Um, MCACC is Pioneer's room calibration technology. We've had it for years. Course, it's been refined. And, of course, and, and the Odyssey question does was their own. Refinements. Yeah, yeah and, and it's in direct competition with Odyssey. Um, uh, we appreciate what they're trying to do over there, but we don't think that the direction is correct. It, 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 there's, uh, for us, there's one sweet spot. There's not, it, it's not a wide sweet spot philosophy. So, um you can you can measure up to six different 
sweet spot zones with our system uh, and, and put those into memory. Name them, you know, lounge, uh, you know, Barco lounger, center of the system, what have you. Um, but we're going to measure to one sweet spot. Hmm. Which is a philosophical choice, uh, not is. a technological limitation. Right, right. Huh, that's uh, very interesting because what they do is, as you mentioned earlier about uh, fuzzy logic, you know, they measure up to, I think, six or eight different locations and then kind of average them all yeah, together to get a good yeah. sound, pre presumably, uh, in right. the entire room. But you're saying that you don't agree that with that approach. We don't think that can be done. Mm -hmm. um, there's just it's it's there's just not enough even if there were enough processing power and I'm not even sure there is uh, to manage all of that all of those reflections all of the uh, conditions uh, from the amplifier to the speaker to the preamp to the room um, the acoustics are just just far too sophisticated and complicated to manage that many ripples of water and create a smooth uh, frequency response ac across a, a wide area. You're going to mm -hmm. compensate. You're going to have to give up uh, what we feel the critical sweet spot in the center um, to do that. Mm -hmm. So we we approach it the other way. Uh, we get it as uh, as good as technology can today uh, for the one sweet spot, and it's going to sound better for the rest of the room. Sure. Uh, F Loop asks: uh, Does the room correction? Uh, allow tweaking after calibration. Uh, many systems don't. Once you once the auto calibration is done, it's done. But you might want to go in and say, tweak the EQ a little bit or the one of the delays or something. Um, do you do you allow yep. for uh, after the fact uh, fine tuning? Absolutely. Um, mm. Yeah, we're we're going to set it up the way we feel like. Uh, it should be for a linear sweet spot in the center. But we also understand that the people are going to want to do different things. Um, you can adjust any, any aspect of our room calibration uh, from the time alignment. You can, you can adjust for standing waves. You can adjust for the phase. Um, um, you can adjust the channel levels. You can adjust the distance all on the fly from the remote on-screen display. Mm -hmm. um, so the answer, that's a great question, and we think that's one of the big differences. Uh, it, it brings me to something I've got to talk about. I know we're about to run out of time. Um, there's uh, Within our iControl AV2 application, um, we have a new technology called Finger EQ, and it literally allows you to draw the EQ curve with your finger on your iPad. Uh, that's um, cool. Which is just, it, it's fun. It's cool to look at. But the other is it really just allows you a lot of control over um, what you might be listening to at the time and just do a, a on-the-fly EQ. Uh, with all the years I've been with Pioneer, I hear it all the time. What happened to the EQ? Um, well, we brought it back. It's right there on your iPad, and it's really a, it's a cool way to just adjust and set things up the way you want them. Mm. Another feature I really, really want to talk about that we're showing this year is, is dovetails a little bit with Bluetooth compatibility and... Um, um, iTunes and allowing more than one person to load music up at a time and play through the Bluetooth. We call it Pioneer Air Jam. It's an application that's on uh, our website uh, as of today. You can download it. Um, there's a demo mode that you can play around with, see how it works. Um, is this an app as well or, or something for a app. computer? This uh -huh. is an app. Um, but it works completely through Bluetooth. It allows up to four people to uh, Bluetooth connect to our receiver. 
Uh, the 1021 is where this technology starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and Air Jam, it, it allows four people to enter songs and create a party playlist. So wow. the songs load up on the app. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone can override someone else's song if they, if they yeah, dare how does do it, that. How does it choose? How does it choose which one is, it's going to play? Well, it's going to go in order of what, when they've been added to the list. Ah. But any one person could just add a song and say, play now. And the song is playing will will shut down and play the next song. So huh. it, it it is the the term the name of the app is very appropriate. It is Air Jam. It's it allows people to get in and and play music. You can be very civilized about it if you want and just let people add songs, uh, or you can get in there and get a little rough. I didn't like that and and. Uh, you know, uh, delete somebody's song and put yours in. Um, <laughs> you can really play with it. It's 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 a very fun application. We've had a lot of fun with it here in the hotel. It's the first <laughs> time we've really been able to play with. Um... There you go. There it is. Wow! It yeah. gives a whole new meaning to uh, remote wars, huh? Yeah, yeah. But you can see it's very colorful. It's very fun. Um, and really, everyone's going to be nice. You're going to add your songs, and as the evening goes on, um, you know, everyone's going to have a chance to play the some of their iTunes music um, on through your Bluetooth system um, through our receiver. Yeah. Another application I, I I've got to dive in, and this isn't really this isn't an app from iTunes. This is just built into the 1021 receiver. Um, is what we call AV Navigator. Um, we're showing pictures of the back panels of our high end AV receivers, and we understand. Um, that for the average consumer, this is really very intimidating. Very, um, so, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and we've been trying, but you know, we've got to be, we have to be prepared for any combination of connection. Is it composite? Is it component? Is it uh, uh, S video in some cases? Is it HDMI? What you know? So all of those inputs and outputs are still there. Um, but what this application allows us to do through the two-way network is for the receiver and your computer or an iPad. Um, to to have a two way communication, uh, it starts out with a speaker uh, with a system setup. It, it, let me start over a second. There's a there's a ROM disk in the box. Load it on your computer. Um, send it over to your iPad, and then as you're setting up the system, it's going to ask you what do you have, and then show you how to hook it up. Once you've hooked everything up, um, you can do an interactive two way learning. Uh, session with the receiver, um, whether if you push a button on the receiver for um, phase control, for example, it's going to take you right to that portion in the owner's manual and explain it to you. Wow, Vice that's versa, cool. If you go to the owner's manual and you input um, MCACC, it's going to take you to our sound field technologies right in the owner's manual. Um, so a wire diagram, an easy two-way uh, communication of features, and then uh, a wiring uh, a setup navigator that allows you that walks you through the initial setup. So, so sort of uh, like a wizard. It's a wizard, uh, and um, we've played. It's fun. It's really easy to use. Um, um, you know, just just tell our system what you've got, and what you want to do, and we'll walk you through how to set it up, and then what what our uh, receiver is doing um, when you hit various buttons. It's, tell, it's me what this, cool. tell me what this particular th- thing is called again. AV Navigator. Mm. It sounds wonderful. I can't wait to check it out myself. Unfortunately, yep. we've run out of time. So, you said uh, this hour go by quick. 
You're I right. did say that, and I was right, wasn't I? <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being on the show, David. Uh, this has been very informative, and uh, I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to seeing these new value-added receivers come onto the market. When do you expect that, that they actually will be available in stores? Uh, thanks, Scott. Yeah, hey, we're, we're shipping right now. So the uh, ah. 521 and 821 will be there any day. Uh, the 921, 1021, um, probably pulling into Long Beach Harbor right now. They'll unload them. We'll be um, another week or two back. So Excellent. Um, definitely in March. Excellent. Um, Thank so you so much, David. All listeners, hit our website. Everything's there. Uh, um, and um, uh, check out those new apps. Those demos are pretty cool. It will do. Thank you again. All right, Scott. Thank you. Okay, you can uh, obviously reach uh, uh, Pioneer and see, read all about these new products at pioneerelectronics.com. Uh, my online homes are ultimateavmag.com and hometheater.com. You can email me at scott at twit.tv and follow me on Twitter at htgeekscott. Next week, my guest geek is scheduled to be Bob Williams, the chief product architect for Runco. <laughs> talking about the new D73D 3D projector, which I'll be taking a close look at the following day in their Oregon facility up there near Portland. So I'm really looking forward to that and getting a little bit of a sneak peek before I even get up there uh, with Bob next Monday. So I sure hope you'll join me. Until then, geek out. Geek out.